All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Number 56 of the Daily Podcast. It's been a minute, Dylan. It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah, it's taken forever for us to get back on the mics. Uh, as you can see, it's just me and Dylan here today. No Beebs Bondi. Uh, insert corny joke about Beebs being claimed off of, not waivers, but claimed in the expansion draft by Vegas. He is actually headed to Vegas right. in the coming days. Uh, so Beebs isn't here with us. It's just me and D. Uh, happy to be back on the mics, of course. Um, really, the you. real reason why we haven't been on for so long is... I've been busy launching a new fantasy baseball website, which you have helped me out with. Beebs has helped me out with uh, as well. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah. It's different. Writing about baseball is a lot different than writing about hockey. Not used to it yet, really. But it's glad to be... I'm happy to be back talking about hockey again. And we're here to talk about a uh, multi- multitude of things. We've got the expansion draft to cover. Uh, we've got the NHL draft to talk about a little bit. And then mm-hmm. most importantly, probably the, the one that pertains to fantasy hockey the most is the upcoming free agency period, sure. which starts on July 1st, which is Saturday, which it, this kind of sucks. I love free agency time of year, but it's also the long weekend. I'm always up at the cottage this weekend, and literally, like, I'm just sitting there. Everybody else is out wait, wait, drinking wait. on the boat. And You're I'm just, going to the States for Canada 150? Yeah. Yeah, but it's also July Fourth, so like it's a big party up there too. So the Canadians, we all do it pretty big too. We like to party. We got the fireworks and stuff ready to go. Yeah, for that Canada one fifty, um, and then yeah, with July Fourth too. It's two parties in one instead of just one one party. Sure, so, sure. Uh, but it's all it sucks. Like we go up there, and I don't even really get to party because. I'm just writing about all the free agency. Like I remember last year. I feel year, like you find ways to party. Well, yeah, like I drink on the side and <laughs> and, and work at the same time. But like I remember last year, we went up late and uh, I was literally in Meyer. Like free agency had already started, like at like eight or whatever in the morning. Right. I was in Meyer, like trying to look at all the people that signed. And I remember Darren Helm signed that brutal contract, <laughs> and I was just like, "Son of a bitch!" Just flipping out in Meyer. <laughs> and then I had got to the college and had to catch up but uh do you want to get right into the expansion draft or what uh yeah seems like a good place to start off yeah uh we're not going to talk about it too much because obviously um we're almost vegas is almost a week old at this point right and Um, there's absolutely nothing else to talk about in the hockey universe right now so it's time to beat to death that's true that's true uh so we are basically just gonna give a rundown of how we think vegas did in their expansion draft efforts um and then kind of talk about what we expect from them in year one, and uh, basically which players might be fantasy relevant 
uh, this year. So, uh, I guess I'll start. Sure. Uh, I've been kind of waiting to get this one off my chest for a little while. Because um, I, I just thought Vegas... It was weird how they did it. I mean, like leading up to the expansion draft, it sounded like George McPhee had the NHL eating out of the palm of his hand. Yeah. And, and he was going to just make all these amazing trades and right. and get his great team assembled with right. you know what he was given. And, and then to that point, like it was pretty cool what he did. Uh, basically put his own trade freeze on the market. Mm-hmm. Any team that agreed to make a deal with him, he made them agree mm-hmm. that they wouldn't trade with anyone else until after the expansion draft, which, like we said, gave him a total monopoly on the trade market, but didn't quite didn't, yield no, the yeah, results like, we expected. Leading up, you listen to like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. Like he's doing such a fantastic job, and then it started, and nothing. I uh, don't mind the trackers in the background. <laughs> That's what happens when you live on a farm, I guess, and try to record a podcast at the same Goodbye. time. See you later. <laughs> Give him the old farmer wave. But uh, no, I, I don't know. I was expecting a lot of bigger things, especially with some of the names that didn't get protected. Um, I was I was thinking just like these side deals were going to be great. I wasn't a huge fan of the side deals uh, for the most part. I think. Uh, in some cases, like they would, especially with Anaheim and the Islanders, I think they would have been better suited just to take Sammy Vatten and Andor Ryan Strom yeah. rather than make the side deal that they did. I mean, with the Ducks, they did get Shea Theodore, who's a good young defenseman, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't get much from the Islanders at all. Uh, they end up with JF Barube, right? Uh, not they just you know they Grubovs right? they had to take off the Grubovsky contract and then they got a pick of course yeah um, but I mean Ryan Strom's a great young hockey player who now he's in Edmonton not even there anymore true so I mean I guess uh, for the Islanders that ended up being good because they got to land Jordan Eberle mm-hmm. but I just think somebody like Sammy Vatnin Ryan Strom uh, one of those guys could have really made a difference now. I mean, I guess they're looking just to collect as many assets as they could. They weren't looking to compete in year one, but. I don't know. How did you feel about those deals? Well, I you know, like guys like Vatnin and Strom, like they're what, 24, 25 mm-hmm. now. They basically are what they are at this point. Um, so like they're not, you're basically past the point of breakout at that point, right? Right. So, and sure, they could have helped them a bit out this year because they are like good, solid players. It's still been good for years to come though too, to, right? To a degree, yeah. Uh, but to me personally, like I like Shea Theodore a lot. I liked that deal. Yeah. So I didn't like quite, like uh, again, like... They had Anaheim, like you said, in the palm of their hand. But I think a lot of it, too, was they were really careful not... George McKee was really careful not to burn any bridges mm-hmm. or really stray any of the relationships he has, which will obviously go a long way for an expansion team. Um, you're coming into the league, picking someone off everyone's roster. Be easy, yeah, you're pissing players. everybody off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it seems like he like was really conscious of that to try mm-hmm. to you know minimize that effect as much as he could. And, you know, obviously, like, at least they have that moving forward. But I, I agree. I didn't like what they did with the Islanders, although I'm not as quite as high on Ryan Strom as you are. Uh, I still think it would have been better than what they ended up with. Uh, but Shea Theodore, to me, over Sammy Vatnin wasn't – I thought that was okay. What about the Minnesota deal? They ended up with Eric Howla and Alex Tuck in, in, instead of taking Dumba or Eric Stahl. That was right. one that I really liked because I was a big fan of Tuck going into the draft when uh, he was taken back then a couple years ago. Um, and I think Hal is a good hockey player too. Hal yeah. is a great two-way center. Sure. So I like that one a little bit. I, st- I, I like the Theodore move. It's not, uh, I don't know. It was weird like how it worked. Like even Manson was such a good defenseman. Like Anaheim was really like, you know, like giving up Theodore was huge. Like they, that just speaks volumes. Right. But they didn't have they... room on him for their roster. Well, that's what I was just right? going to say. That it really speaks volumes to what Anaheim saw in uh, Brandon Montour, uh, mm-hmm. who basically just surpassed Theodore uh, on their on their depth chart, right. and then obviously they really love Manson and Vatten. Um, but it was just weird. I like I didn't like the Islanders deal at all. Um, they had the room obviously to take on the, the Grabowski contract. And yeah. Stuff, but well, I mean, they, like we talked about in like some earlier ep- or podcasts, I guess the, they did need to get to the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, for and Grabowski sure. is actually what they're looking for, like heavy dollars but no Don't, term. Yeah, exactly. So there's no commitment past this year, um, which is obviously what they were looking for. So. And again, just to touch on the wild trade, like not so much Dumba himself, but it seemed like the trade market for right-handed defensemen like is so tight right now. Like mm-hmm. everyone needs right-handed shots, and there's just not a lot out there on the market that I thought maybe they could have flipped Dumba for something more than what they got. Well, that's but the again, other thing, it just yeah. comes back to how much they really want to piss off the wild because he did come out and say any player that they're going to be offered to take, like a Dumba, they would they would first go back to say Minnesota and try to get any counters to see what they could get from them. Exactly. Deal with Minnesota to not take them and then take their players to flip them. The crazy thing though was too is like we've noticed in the last couple of days, like with Mathot, it was yeah. weird how the first I guess they were asking the Senators for a first round pick to not take Mathot, yeah. and then they just turn around and trade them for a, a second round pick in 2020 of all mm-hmm. you. Like that is, I mean like. 
it is still a second round pick, but not sure. till 2020. It was, it was just weird how like he, he kind of managed it all. Um, I think that we can probably both agree the two of the most mind-boggling moves that he made uh, were selecting Chris Thorburn from Winnipeg and Derek Anglin uh, from the Flames. Um, both just grinders at this point in their careers. Uh, Thorburn especially. Anglin's a little bit more serviceable on the blue line. But, I mean, passing on Marco Dano... To take somebody like Thorburn, it's not like they got it. They didn't make a deal that we know of. Right, Thorburn's gonna walk too, right? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, they just they took him and then he's gone. Right. So to me, like the only thing that makes sense there is that they would have rather had the empty roster spot heading into Mm -hmm. free agency than Marco Dano, because you know Marco Dano, like sure, like he's a nice name and you know he's been around. A lot of people have liked to hype up his potential, but it hasn't quite happened yet. Right. I'm not sure it would have you know yielded itself in Vegas. Uh, So obviously he thought he'd rather have the empty just, roster just get the spot. empty roster spot and, and they were it. already over the forwards taken at that point i believe right because they had to switch at one point because they had too many yeah yeah so they that probably played into it too they had already had all the forwards they had wanted to take um the england thing makes no sense to me. no that one was that was the one that was really crazy yeah i was just funny probably because some character bullshit or stuff well like i guess what it was too was that england played i think it was two years in Vegas while he was in the ECHL. Right. Now, the word ECHL alone is probably enough to make you just wonder why he was even taken in an expansion yeah. draft. Anybody that was in the ECHL probably shouldn't have been taken. Uh, so, he lives in Vegas, I right. guess. So, maybe that played into it a little bit. It, just, it was funny because all these teams are freaking out. You know, oh my God. Like, I know Jets fans specifically were like, oh my God, Dano's gone. Yeah. And then they took Thorburn. It's like, well, he was the Kirk Cup best pick, but like you said, it was just crazy. But clearly, they'd rather have the open roster spot for whatever that's worth. I don't know if I agree with it per se, but we'll see what they can get off of free agency. With yeah, it. and like they're obviously they got money to spend, and they're not right too worried, I guess. Now, the other thing we'll touch on really quickly is just the two trades we already talked about. With thought, uh, the David Schlemko trade was a little weird too. I mean, they basically gave him up for nothing as well. Like they had, they took all these defensemen. I thought it was a good idea to take all these defensemen because it seems like D-men are at such a premium in the NHL. Right. And if they'd be able to flip them and get something in return, and then they, their first two trades were two of their top four defensemen, and they basically got nothing to show right. for it. Right. I. You want to give him credit and say he probably searched the whole market mm-hmm. and got what he could from Mark Mathot. But everywhere you look, like it seems like people are saying no. Like he should have gotten more than oh, he for did sure. from Mathot. So. Again, maybe it was he was reluctant or didn't want to trade him to a, an, uh, one of Ottawa's rivals, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone else in their division. So maybe that limited the trade market a little bit. Again, trying to keep those relationships yeah. as in touch Don't want to burn those bridges, eh? It, it, I think it plays it definitely more plays of a part th- than we see sure. on this side of it. Um, you like straight up if you're if you're a guy who's known for fleecing people like mm-hmm. your people aren't going to be as willing no, to deal with, you, want right? to with you at all. So uh, I do think that probably played into it, and I want to give the guy credit and say he got the best. He it got just the best seems he like thought he, was... he could in that situation. But yeah, like a t- second round pick three years from now, and a goalie that was took in what the sixth round, like two days ago. Yeah, yeah so. it was just weird too. Like I mean, I guess they wanted to get the money off the hand, off their books right. before July 1. So he was dealing with a little bit of a time crunch too. They wanted to get the money off the books and wanted mm-hmm. to open up the roster spot. But it just seemed like it happened so quick and he didn't get a lot in return. It just seemed like a weird deal to me. Uh, but let's just, before we start talking about the NHL draft itself, um, what do you expect from Vegas in year one? Like bottom feeder for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I expect them to be what would have been, you know, the old lottery, that, that bottom five. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, they have a lot of potential to be the worst team in the league next year. Just because there's no one there that can really carry the play at any point, really. Like it, At least to me. like There's no one guy who you see have the puck and be like, yeah, that guy can really push the puck forward, either on defense or forward. So I don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to need to be a lot of systemized hockey, and it's yeah. probably not going to be that fun to watch. And uh, but you know maybe Flurry posts a nine forty next year does something stupid like goalies. So are the only there. you're you've always been vocal about how you think goalies are voodoo. So you're right. saying that voodoo needs to take full effect in Vegas for them to have a chance. Goalies, you know, it's really hard to find any trend from year to year, but they do undoubtedly have more impact on any one team's success mm-hmm. than any other position on the ice. Right, it's pretty obvious, but clearly, yeah, and, and they it, do have a decent goaltender. And Flurry. Flurry has shown shown to be very very solid, right? In the regular season, at least <laughs> at points. Um, yeah. but, but obviously, playing behind a cup contending team or a cup winning team helps right. versus playing for. No, I, I just think the team is team. really going to struggle to push the puck forward and really going to struggle to score goals. 
Because who's their leading goal scorer that would have been last year? It's Marchessault, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone would have put up more than 30 goals. No. And even Marchessault was pretty lucky. I mean, we were always high on Marchessault, but I have no problem admitting that he, he was, was pretty lucky to get where he was. Well, and he started really hot, too. He cooled off, too, as the year progressed. Right. Um, but, I mean, I still think they got some nice pieces. Obviously, adding somebody like Marchessault was great. Sure. Uh, that was a weird trade for Ford. I'm not really sure what they were doing. They were really basically just trying to get Riley Smith's right. contract off the books, which I... No, it's yeah. not a terrible contract. No, like, it's it, not that bad that you would want to give away a 30-goal well, score. I looked into it a little bit, and to me, like, they're two separate things. Like, mm-hmm. Vegas was going to take March or so. Well, for sure. And the Riley Smith trade had nothing to do with that, but it just looks yeah. confusing. But I, it probably had something to do with, you know, them being their only trade partner at the time. Riley Smith signed to $5 million a year through 21, yeah. 21-22. But the thing is, he's got a, no, a partial no trade that kicks in next year. Mm-hmm. And his value is only declining year to year right now. So I got to imagine Talon was looking to push his contract out the door this year right. before the limited no trade clause comes in and before you know his value maybe reduces any further. And I was surprised that Vegas went for it, not going to lie. Don't know if that makes the most sense. But like the thing, the, it's, the thing is that they didn't... I think it made sense because they didn't take on a lot of contracts that had turned. Right. A lot of their contracts are up next year, so they, I think they were they're willing to take on a you know one bad deal. Right. Um, especially you know it's not like Smith is a bad player either. Like Smith is gonna play in their top six. Yeah, he's he fine. could yeah, he yeah, could yeah. lead the team in goals for all, right. for all we know. Right. Um, it's speaking of Riley Smith, I thought it was funny the other day, uh, yesterday. Uh, it's official that Boston literally has no pieces directly related to the Tyler Segan trade yeah. anymore. I thought that was hilarious. What a brutal uh, trade! Or that the Phil Kessel trade, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. There's just nothing, just <laughs> nothing remaining. The team, and then yeah. now we got now. Yeah, it's just brutal. But anyways, I I like obviously Marcia so and Smith will you know he'll be fine as a as a second line uh, winger. Yeah, I like Jim, that move a lot more for Dale Talon. Yeah, like that I was said, it's gonna it, it's gonna be hard to move that contract. Oh, for sure. And you know losing Marcia so is is tough, but they'll be okay. Um, or they signed. They literally. He ended up being the bargain of the or the summer last year, right? Oh, for like sure. They signed him for seven hundred. And then you know, now you get that Smith, thirty goals. You get that Smith contract off the books, and you go bargain hunting again. Exactly. And you can even add a you know a, exactly. a higher end winger. And there's a lot, a lot of veteran yeah. wingers out there that you know. Yeah. Will a lot make, of them think they're going to make a move in free agency. Now. For sure. Um, obviously, the addition of James Neal is nice. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody's favorite hockey player, but um, a, you know, a good power forward, good goal scorer. Uh, he's reunited with his buddy Mark Andre Fleury. They um, needed some names. Yeah, you know, exactly. They, they had to. They had to. They had to sell some jerseys. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, I don't even know how to pronounce his name yet. But that Vadim Shipayev or whatever Shipashev or whatever you want to call Shepachev. him. Yeah, whatever you want to call him. Everybody like was freaking out on me all the time, like because I didn't have him in their lineup, and I was like, this is just an expansion draft thing. <laughs> I know he's on the team. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, he's gonna go like a first round in fantasy hockey next year. But <laughs> from what I can tell, everybody's obsessed with this guy. So, uh, and then obviously we already kind of talked about their blue line. I think Shea Theodore obviously gets a huge boost in fantasy, right. moving out of the shadows of the Vatnins, the Fowlers, the Lindholms in right. uh, in Anaheim. Uh, Bryn McNabb was obviously great last year with uh, LA. Played with Doughty a lot, so he'll be a, a steady number two, number three for them. Um, and then two guys I really like are Colin Miller and Nate Schmidt. Schmidt kind of had his coming out party in the playoffs this year. Uh, lots of speed, can move the puck up the ice. Uh, and then Miller, obviously a great skater as well, uh, and can you know he's got a booming slap shot. So sure. he, those are two guys that also see a boost fantasy wise. Um, but let's move into the NHL draft itself. Um, we're not gonna go pick by pick or dive into anything too deep. Let's just talk about our winners and our losers uh, from this weekend in the fantasy or in the NHL draft. Uh, why, don't, why don't you go ahead first? Uh, okay, well, for, to me, the Leafs were the simple winners. Or the winners simply because of stealing Timothy Lilgren at that point in the draft. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. The guy was a consensus top three pick in September. Yep. Gets mono, misses some time, never produces at quite the level before when he comes back. A lot of talk about him potentially coming back too early. Yep. And I know by the time he got to them, Mark Hunter said it was a no-brainer to take him. I think, like, literally it was like, and... Leaves you on the clock. They're like, okay. They just walked right up to the podium. Like, they were already... They couldn't even believe it. Right. Obviously, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this guy since they made the pick, but people are still pretty high on his upside. And for them to get that kind of piece for their back end, which is obviously... In a fairly weak draft, in the middle of the first round. Yeah. I... In my mock draft, I had the Red Wings taking him at nine, and I was just like, please allow this to happen. Because nobody should let this guy drop. and But it was hilarious because every single mock draft that anybody did had him dropping, dropping, dropping. And then on the day it happened, they're like, I can't believe he's dropping. It's like, what do you mean? Everybody knew this was going to happen, and it right. was it was ridiculous. Right. 
I don't know. Yeah, to get that kind of upside and potential for that hole that they had, right? Like, that was the one big hole coming out of the season. We'll see how happy they are with that moving forward. Obviously, this isn't a piece that can help them immediately, but... We'll see. Yeah, you could be only one year away, though, or two years away even, and they'll be fine. Uh, it's an amazing pick. Yeah. I was furious. Even I tweeted. I said, oh, I wish the Red Wings would have taken them. But at least my at least my friends, you specifically, Thanks, buddy. would be happy. Uh, for me, the winner uh, was the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers went from only missing the playoffs by seven points to moving up, thanks to the draft lottery, to number two and landing Nolan Patrick, right. who had for, for pretty much the whole year was the consensus number one. So that's obviously huge for them, especially as Claude Giroux continues to get older. But then, not only did they land Nolan Patrick, they also made a massive trade later in the draft, getting the 27th overall pick, another conditional first-round pick, and Yori Laterra from the Blues for Braden Shen. Now, Shen's a good hockey player. Right. Uh, top six forward. It's great on the power play, mm-hmm. but that's a pretty steep price. I think it was. Yeah. I think I read something today that Montreal was looking in on Shen as well, and said the price was too steep. And how can you blame them? Um, but now the Flyers have Giroux, Couturier, Philpula, and Letera. And I'm not a big fan of Letera. That was a. That's a big contract for not that great of a hockey player. But sure. still, I mean, for the first two first round picks that you might get, uh, yeah, it was a good deal. So yeah, Couturier. Giroux, Philpula, and Laterra down the middle with Nolan Patrick also coming up. You know, who knows if right. he could work his way into that picture uh, in training yeah. camp. Um, but then not only that, they also traded up in the second round uh, to take Isaac Ratcliffe, who is a projected first rounder, six foot six, 200 pounds, scored 28 goals this year. Uh, Brian Burke's furious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rowan Hextall did a heck of a job. Um, I think, honestly, St. Louis will really like having Braden Chan. I think that's a nice pickup for them. It was a little bit steep, though. I mean, um, I you know I'm not the biggest fan of Braden Shen. To mm-hmm. me, his production's always kind of looked a little unsustainable. He relies on a high shooting percentage and doesn't produce as many shots as you know maybe some other forwards. A lot of production on the power considered play. Considered to be in his caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you say, he's, he's good on the power play, and he will help St. Louis. But yeah, I wouldn't have paid that price for him. No, that was like, that's a, that is such a premium price. Yeah. But, um, especially like on draft day too, because like you know exactly what you could have gotten. Like they they picked some, they had some nice pickups in the draft. Yeah, uh, it was just they did a great job. I, you know, I don't really love the Flyers, but Ron Hextall did a hell of a job. Um, I'll just jump right into my loser because I just want to get it over with. Uh, for <laughs> me, it was the Detroit Red Wings. Unfortunately, um, pains me to say, it, but the Red Wings had a rough go. They finally land a top ten pick for the first time in twenty five years. A number five, like a top five talent, falls to them at number nine, and they pass. They pass on Gabe Bellardi to take Michael Rasmussen. Rasmussen is humongous. I love it. It's great. He's got. We never have tall players. So that's great and all. But he scored over like about half of his goals on the power play in junior, which is a red flag. Yeah. I wrote a little piece on him the other day, trying to trying to make positives out of it. Sure. He did break his hand and missed the final two months of the year. Had he played the whole season, he was on pace to score 46 goals, which would have been like fourth or fifth in the Didn't WHL. Did Tom Sestito do something like that in his last year? Maybe. Maybe. But that, maybe we're not talking about Tom Sestito. Helps maybe. you a lot in junior when maybe. you play a and bunch you know of what? I, I've watched a lot of highlights maybe. of him since to try, help me get over it. But it's just, I can't, sure. I just can't fathom why they would have passed on Gabe Velarde, especially because when I watch Velarde, he plays a very similar game to that of Henrik Zetterberg. Why wouldn't you just want a younger version of your captain? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want that? That just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, he's got a good scoring touch. Blah, blah, blah. Day two, I was hoping uh, that Nicholas Hag would fall to them in the second round. Vegas ended up picking him up, which was unfortunate. And then they drafted a guy named Gustav Lindstrom, who I've never heard of, and apparently nobody else has either. <laughs> um, but I, the only reason I could see why they did this was because his first name's Gustav. Right. Nyquist has been pretty good to them, and his last name's Lindstrom. <laughs> and Nick was pretty good. Uh, that's the only, that's the only reasonable one. explanation I've got for that pick there too. Uh, so I think that's a good reason to make a seventh round pick. But yeah, maybe you think. Yeah. Round. No, that yeah, was bad. <laughs> so the Wings had a rough day. Hopefully Rasmussen turns out. The thing that pains me the most though is that for years we were like, oh my god, the Red Wings are small. The Red Wings are too small. They're too small. They're too small. And they just kept drafting these small, skilled forwards. Just right. kept doing it. And then, all of a sudden, we saw the game shift to a small, speed game. 
And we were like, oh my god, this is perfect for the Red Wings. And then right as that starts happening, they go and draft like three guys over six foot five. And they're like, we need to get bigger. It's like, you guys are so lost. Lost. Who is your loser? Uh, I didn't like what the Penguins did. I thought it was a pretty <laughs> stupid move. Uh, Ryan Reeves is a pretty good hawk. Like, obviously, you know, you need some good management to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. It's hard to shit on the Penguins. But, you know, when you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin as your two core pieces, it's pretty hard to fuck that up, pardon yeah. my language. It is hard. But they're doing their best job. They moved the first-round pick for Ryan Reeves. Not a good idea. Did you see Reeves' reaction? He got, like, a text from his buddy and said, like, yo, dude, you just got traded for a first-round pick. He's just like, nah. So he went on Twitter and he saw people like tweeting about it. And he literally like, I, I can't remember the exact wording, but he, I think he said, I thought it was bullshit. Like he thought it was just a lie. Even Ryan Reeves was like, nah, I did nah. not. And then he got the call and said, yo, you've been traded for 31st overall pick. He's like, nah. And then it was real. He actually did. He couldn't even believe it. What do you think St. Louis's reaction was when they got that call? <laughs> yes. It would probably be exactly <laughs> what you would see in like the video game, NHL, when you send just a brutal trade. Oh, yeah. It's, it's exactly. the, whole, the whole message about how our fans are going to be cheering in the streets. Oh, yeah. They're like, this, this is going to be the greatest trade in franchise history. Uh, but, yeah, that was that just made no sense. It was hard. I, I, I didn't want to pick the Red Wings, and originally I was going to take the Penguins as my losers just for that. But I'm like, you know what? I've talked up the Red Wings far too much at times. Maybe it's time to, to kind of shit on them a little bit. Um, you did a good you did a good job. You're welcome. Uh, you know, I figured though. bringing it back, you know, we missed like the last three months. I thought I'd bring it back and, you know, really show the listeners that I uh, I can be not biased. Right. I'm biased. Yeah. So where am I from? You want to talk about free agency? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to run through the uh, my top 15 uh, and basically just talk about what they bring to the table, and maybe a potential landing spot. Right. Uh, we're not going to talk too long about each player, but uh, it's always fun to kind of guess and give our two cents into how, who we think they might sign with, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, we'll start with, I think, the consensus number one free agent, Kevin Shattenkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think pretty much just about everyone would love to sign Shattenkirk. He's a premier offensive defenseman. This actually blew me away. He's posted 45, 44, 44, and 56 points in the last four seasons. Uh, that's about as consistent as they come uh, from a fantasy perspective. And he'll likely be a force pretty much wherever he goes. Um, I think in the Rangers, moving Derek step on to Arizona, uh, A, they just wanted to probably get rid of that contract, but B, that just created the room. Because it wasn't the greatest trade for them, right. uh, but it did create enough cap room uh, to maybe sign somebody like Shattenkirk. But it also sounds with every passing day that Tampa Bay really wants to add Kevin Shattenkirk. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, not to make this all about the Leafs, but you did talk about the Wings for a bit. No but obviously the Leafs right now are in a market for a defenseman, specifically mm-hmm. a right-handed defenseman. Yep. Shattenkirk is the very best of that available right now. So I do expect the Leafs to make some sort of a run at them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if they'll be willing to shell out the money and overpay for Shattenkirk because you do need to do with free agents. Well, he's going to get a boatload of cash. Especially the top free agents. And the Leafs, you know, obviously have a lot of prospect depth right now. Um, so I think a lot of people are kind of expecting them to go to the trade route instead mm-hmm. if they do look to shore up the D this year. Um, but, you know, personally, and I like without, I do think they're just one really good fence in a way from being a serious contender next year. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, I'm not surprised. No, they're, they're unreal. They're going to be great. Uh, if if he goes there, that would be huge for them. Yeah. Um, yeah Shattenkirk's great. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't love him, but I think he's sensational. Uh, I try to draft him in fantasy at least every single year because, like, I just read off his numbers. Like, he just doesn't, he never misses a beat. He's a sensational. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Alexander Radulov is our number two free agent. Um to me, I'd be surprised if Radulov doesn't stay in Montreal. Uh, but again, every day that passes, it kind of looks less and less likely. Uh, to basically surprise no one. <laughs> he just wants a shitload of money. Uh, I think I tweeted about this a couple weeks ago. It's like, it's amazing how much power these Russian free agents have. Because they're just like, give me all the money. And, yeah. then, and the NHL teams are like, no. And then there's like... Back to hometown. <laughs> We're out of here. And they just take off. And they go back and then they get the exact sure. same amount of money, if not more. Sure. I think it's on tax, too, over there. And there's like, see ya. Yeah, I don't know a lot about I'm not Russia. An economist, uh, <laughs> but um, if it is in Montreal, I just, I just want to see this so bad. Right. What about. It's never going to happen. But what if 
the National Predators bring Radulov back. How great would that be? They just lost James Neal. They need a top six winger. You remember how that situation ended last time, right? I know. He came back for nine games in 2012, and they blamed the whole playoff collapse on him? Yes. I'm just, I'm just saying. Let's you guys played nine games, but he's the reason you lost? Let's just bring him back. I'm sure he loves how they treated him. Maybe he really likes catfish. Maybe he just didn't like shots. Who knows, right? No, but he was like... It was him and Kostitsin were literally just scapegoated. Oh, yeah. 100%. Lack of a playoff run. Um, Nine games in. But on the real, he was pretty disappointing last year as a whole, I think, personally. He was solid. He was inconsistent. But what do you expect? He's always Radulov. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm still not cons- convinced that he shoots enough to be like you know a force in fantasy. Um, it obviously depends where he ends up, but he's not someone I'm reaching for come draft day by any means. No. I... I, I... Last year was weird because, like, I drafted him in a lot of leagues because he fell so far. I'm like, okay. Right. But then this year, I think now that people were – there was so much uncertainty last year. People kind of know who he is now. Yeah. I just want to see him go back to Nashville because it would be amazing. <laughs> uh, but number three is Jumbo Joe Thornton, who I absolutely love. Joe's mm-hmm. the best. Uh, if the Sharks don't bring back Big Joe, Big Joe, which it's not a foregone conclusion that they won't, um, I think – I read today that basically, like, everybody wants him. Right. Um. And it's not just like the, it's playoff Stanley Cup contenders and also bottom feeders. Like everybody just wants Big Joe. Uh, I would expect him to stay out west. I mean, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Right? Living in Cali would be awesome. Sure. So I'd say maybe a team like Los Angeles makes sense. But if I was a GM, I'd be falling all over myself to try to sign this guy because Big Joe is the man. Right. Uh, but if if he decides, you know, he wants to get out of California, maybe a team like Nashville, you know. They've only got Johansson at this point. Yarncroft, I guess, too, but he's more of a third-line center. They right. could use a, you know, Fisher seems to be moving on, or Barrow's moving on. <laughs> Team like, I think everyone's just going to the Predators. But uh, So Joe Thornton makes sense there. Maybe Minnesota could use him as well. Obviously, Hansel's moving out. He could come in slide into that hole. Sure. Uh, but then again, I, I, I've read that teams like the Rangers, the Canadians, they're poking around. It seems like everybody's in on him. But Jumbo Joe... One of the greatest playmakers of all time. Yeah. Where, Why wouldn't you want him? Wherever he ends up, he's going to produce next oh year. Oh, my God. 50 uh, assists. Walk it in. Right. Honestly, he's, the days of him putting the puck in the net are pretty far past. Oh, five goals, 50 assists. <laughs> but, you Lock know, from a fantasy perspective, still one of the premium playmakers in the game. Excellent. He's going to give you more assists than, say, for maybe five to ten guys in the league. And he still racks it up on the power play. Uh, and and so he, he doesn't go that early in drafts. No, you know, he doesn't. Because he doesn't score. Right. So. You can get him as a number... Like a low end number two at the very highest. Right. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because obviously that'll have a huge tick on his value just because he could potentially sign uh, into any role from being a first line center to a third line center. Anything. Depending on where he wants to go. It's crazy that the Sharks are just like, nope. Yeah. We don't really want Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe anymore. Well, they kind of said that a couple years ago when they just yeah, stripped the C's away. Like, you, you know, I was, we were talking about Bernard Bridges earlier. There we go. There you go. Number four on my list, and it's only because everybody seems to want this guy for some reason. Sure. Carl Alsner. Uh, Alsner's <laughs> bound to be overpaid uh, for probably the next eight seasons. Yeah. Uh, he's going to just get too much money for sure, but he seems to still be highly sought after uh, regardless, even though there are a lot of other Carl Alsner-like quality players sure. out there who are making far less money. Yeah. Um, I, I would take Nate Schmidt. <laughs> at what he makes over Carl Alsner. It's a tough name to say. Um, Arl and the Alsner. That's, I guess. It's back sure, to back. Sure, sure. Anyways, I would take <laughs> Nate Schmidt probably at this point. Anyways, right. I hope a team that I don't really like. You know what would be the greatest? Here's what this would be the greatest. The Rangers. Right. They finally rid themselves of Dan Girardi in that contract. And then <laughs> they just signed Carl oh, Alsner. It would just totally fill that void. Oh, it would be the best. <laughs> I hope it happens. Yeah, I mean, just 13 points in a full 82 last year. Career highs. Here's $6 million a year for the next eight. Right. I just want to stress, you know, there's certainly no fantasy relevance wherever he ends up. No. So just this hope- is this is not, this part has nothing to do with fantasy. This right, just and has- as far as possession numbers go, he's not that great at either. So I... Just not are, good, not a good hockey player? I, I think he is pretty good <laughs> on the wrong side of the puck for whatever that's worth. <laughs> But that's like the easiest kind of defenseman to find, and it's not someone you throw heaps and heaps of money in turn. Would you rather have Nate Schmidt? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Number five, Martin Hansel. Uh, personally, I've always liked Martin Hansel. Uh, I always thought he was going to be a beast. Sure. Just can't stay on the ice. And if you can't stay on the ice, you can't put up points. 
Phoenix. Right. Also, so, if you play on Phoenix, Arizona. Put one in the jar. You can't. You can't put one. The jug's no. dead now because I said Phoenix. So many times. Anyways. Uh, I still think, though, that Hansel, although we can't say healthy, I think, what was he, had like 13 points in 20 games after being traded to Minnesota last year. Yeah. Playing primarily as like a number three-ish center. Right. Um, I think he it's could Carson be... Carson through the roof on Minnesota, he, too. Yeah. Like oh, insane. I think he could be the underrated... Like, he'll still be paid a lot, but I think, like, a lot of... There's other people, like, that are going to get more money, mm-hmm. that are going to get more attention. I think Hansel could be the underrated pickup of the summer, right. a la Thomas Vanek last year, or Jonathan Marchessault. Even right. Eric Stahl last year was... He only had, like, $3.5 million a year, and he right. was great. Right. Which still made no sense. Like, I don't know why... I th- Everybody should have been lining up for that guy, because right. Eric Stahl's a beauty. But anyways... He'll be overshadowed and probably slightly underpaid because he's a big or he's a small fish in a big pond. Right. Small little fish. Right. But he's actually huge. I'm not as <laughs> high on Hansel as you are, but I you know, I think if you have going into the season penciled in this guy as your third line center, he has that ability to move up into your top oh, six when fun. you need him to. Uh not, again, not a guy I would want in my top six for eighty two games, but definitely Well he won't be there for eighty two games anyway. So. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> He'll be heard anyway. True. Uh, I still think he's going to go for a higher price than you're imagining right now just because this I mean we're looking through the names right now this free agency pool sucks ass uh, well this is my this is just because Hansel's probably higher on my list than he is other maybe not no I don't think he's just, no but even if you look through like the general there's not a lot of centers no there's not a lot of anything dude there's a it's lot a of veteran wingers it's a pretty weak class um, so I imagine but if you can get him on a, like Eric Stahl like contract last year I would absolutely go for it if you need some depth down the middle because like I said this is absolutely a guy who can move up your I lineup f- when you need him to I think I have the perfect place for him okay Edmonton alright let's do it let's just send him to Edmonton let's just do it <laughs> Nugent Hawkins not the biggest guy on the planet McDavid yeah. not the biggest guy on the planet they sure. could use a little bit of size up the middle sure he could be a number two move Nugent down could be a number three move keep Nugent at two <laughs> He can use some size. Latestu should probably be a fourth line center. He, he was great last year. I don't mean year. to laugh at Latestu. He was great last year. Everton <laughs> loves him. But I think that'd be a good spot for him. They have so much money. Well, like until they give McDavid $15 million a year. You have to have, budget for that, dude. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, we have $28 million of cash space. Yeah, no, we don't, man. It's all going to McDavid. Yeah. But I mean, they keep trading away all their other relevant players, so that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a perfect spot for him. Moving on quickly to Thomas Vanek. Uh, obviously, we just spoke about him quickly there. Vanek was great for the Red Wings and then predictably predictably terrible right. for the Panthers after being picked up at the deadline. Um, I honestly would not be surprised if the Red Wings just bring him back. Uh, but the theme of free agency for Brock in 2017 is veterans returning to their old teams. <laughs> and I would love to see him go back to Buffalo. Rekindle some old magic because he was a forty goal scorer there. He was a beauty. Uh, they can use a little extra scoring. They want to be a playoff team this year for right. sure. Uh, they can do it. You know, basically the only factor is is Jack Eichel going to walk into the into the uh, owner's box and say, "Give me Thomas Vanek." Because if he does, he's going to be a, he's going to be a saber. If he doesn't, then he's going somewhere. I don't else. think Jack Eichel like cares enough about Thomas Vanek to make that like his plate. You know? Well, whatever. Because you only saying, had so many of those. Even as no, 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 not at this point. Eichel runs the show. <laughs> they made that very evident. Hey, I won't play for this guy. You won't? He's gone. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Well, which, who do you want us to hire? Yeah. Like, to me, though, I can't see Vanek going anywhere that isn't a contender this year. This guy made a lot of money earlier on in his career. He's not necessarily looking to cash in and maybe play for a lesser team that'll pay more to have him. Uh, and he loves Detroit, though. I, I hope they don't sign him. But I, I, I do, if they do, he's going to score goals. The Wings win, were the dude. ones to show us how effective this guy can still be when you use him properly. Play him 50 minutes a night. Don't start him in your own zone at all. Ever. Get him playing as much in the offensive zone as possible and stick him in front of he's them as a power play. He can still produce. He can still produce. You know, he's a smart player, obviously. In, in the offensive zone. And he still has a really good shot. Fantastic. He's always Ridiculous. shot his above. Release, his, re- his release is right. insane. He's consistently shot at above average percentage for his career. Uh, but like I said, you have to use him in the right ways. If you play this guy 20 minutes a night, both ends up and down, you're going to be disappointed with what you get. So to me, like, but I, I do see him going to a, a contender. I don't think he's going to take a pay cut or take no. more money to go somewhere else. You know where he'll end up? He'll but. probably end up in Pittsburgh and win a cup. Probably. That's what I was thinking. Number seven on the list, Steve Mason, goaltender. Uh, first goaltender on our list here. Right. Uh, I, I personally like Steve Mason. He's been pretty inconsistent throughout his year. I think there's a running trend here. I just pretty much like everybody. Yeah. Anyways, Steve Mason's a beauty. 
I think at this point, it would be a great pickup for somebody like Calgary. Um, I think it's pretty obvious now that Brian Elliott's moving on. They added Mike Smith. Mason can kind of play behind Mike Smith while not forcing Smith to start 65, 70 games like he did in Arizona. I would want Smith to start 40 games if I was the Calgary player. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Keep him fresh. So sure. That's what I'm saying. Sign somebody like Mason. Mason's still 29 years old, so you can still sign him to a, a decent contract, and Smith is getting up there in years. Yeah. Eventually, he moves on. Maybe Mason moves into that starting role. I think that both of those goalies are better suited to split time. Obviously, it didn't work out that well last year for Mason, right. but two years ago, he was great. New Verth 2. New Verth was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. voodoo. I, I just think that's a decent spot for him. There's not a like The goalie market is right. cool. I'm just looking for somewhere right. that makes sense. I mean, he's obviously sense. capable. I think that would make sense. If I'm Calgary, there's no way I feel good about having Mike Smith as my one and whoever as my two. I think they need someone who can at least threaten to be a starter with Mike Smith. And it has to be somebody younger, too. Somebody that can sure. give the organization a little bit of... I think Mason's still like 28 or 29, but still... 29. 29. I think it needs to be like it can't be it can't you can't have Mike Smith and Brian Elliott. That doesn't just make any sense. Yeah. So they're like both forty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, he's obviously going to go somewhere because the goalie market is terrible. Yeah, he's going somewhere. That he could true. he could end up in uh, the only other place that maybe would make sense is maybe Anaheim, right? Because I don't think Jonathan Bernier is coming back. Maybe he plays with Gibson. I don't know. Gibson can't stay healthy. Maybe they're they're looking for somebody. But, I mean, Bernier right. Obviously, was... Pittsburgh has a hole. They're probably not feeling... You know, maybe they are feeling oh good my about God. Matt Murray if, starting 70 games. If they, bring, games. if they bring Steve Mason into Pittsburgh, Mason is going to just make all Philadelphia Flyers fans just cry. He's going to, like... <laughs> Murray's going to go down. Mason's going to win 40 games yeah. with, like, back 82 Calder, shutouts. Yeah. Trophy yeah. Oh, yeah, like, 10 shutouts that year. Yeah, that was crazy. Anyways, number eight, Justin Williams. Uh, basically, this one should be quick. Yeah. It seems like all the interest surrounding Justin Williams seems to be coming from the Dallas Stars camp, and it seems like a wise fit. Uh, they've got some young kids coming up, young wingers specifically coming up, that could make the jump this year, but they'd still need a little bit more NHL-ready help in the top six. Uh, you know, losing Patrick Eves last year, and now Eves signed uh, in Anaheim. So he's right. obviously not coming back. Williams is... Somebody that could fill those shoes, maybe play along with Ben and Seekin. If that's the case, I think Williams, obviously he's always played in pretty good offenses, always produces a reasonable amount for a late fantasy pick. Yeah, to me, you know, he, he kind of reminds me a lot of Hansel, at least that, like they're in similar situations. He's just not a guy I would want penciled into my top six on opening night. No. But if he's your seventh or eighth best forward, you're in a really good spot. Because, yep. again, that's a guy who can fill that void on occasion and do well. Mm -hmm. uh, he can offer some value on the power play. And for whatever it's worth, he seems to just play on a whole other level, come playoff time. Yeah. That's why I think Dallas makes like. sense for him because he can kind of, you know, let's say you do, you, you sign him and you pencil him in as your third line right winger mm -hmm. and you you give, you know, Brett Ritchie a chance with Seagan and Ben um, and then another prospect. another. You give your kids a chance to see if they can do it. Right. And if they can't, then Williams is your fallback. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes sense. Exactly, yeah. Uh, number nine, Michael Stone. Uh, the Flames expressed interest in bringing him back, um, but at that point, I, I, to me, I feel like Stone probably wants to be like he went from Arizona, where he was playing like twenty minutes a night, right? To now, he's going to go to Calgary and he's going to sign there and he's going to play as a number five defenseman. I just mm -hmm. don't see Stone really wanting to do that. Uh, obviously, you want to play somewhere where you're going to get to play more, where you're going to get a chance right. to win. Um, I don't think he would like to play behind the Brodies and the Giordanos and the no, you wouldn't think Hamiltons. Because so. uh, people are pretty high on this guy for whatever reason. Yeah, I think, that's what I was just going to say. I think he's pretty overrated. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe somewhere like, I, I talked about them already, but I think somewhere like the Kings could make sense. They lost yeah. Brady McNabb, you know, bring him in. Um, I think whoever misses on Shattenkirk is going to overpay for Stone yeah. because he's... Big right-handed defenseman. He's, he's probably, yeah. I'm just looking. He's probably the second best right-handed defenseman on the market, and it's obviously it's a pretty depleted market past Shattenkirk. Yep. He's nowhere near his level. Uh, but like I said, these guys oh, are would at, be even better if the Rangers overpay for him. They probably will, dude. Like, they're still overpay for everybody. I, I think he's gonna surprise a lot of people with the contract he ends up landing. Oh, it's gonna be huge. Yeah, and uh, that's why the Flames expressing interest in him. It ain't gonna happen, right? Uh, like I said, right-handed D are at a premium right now, even more so in this pool of free agents. Uh, and I'm with you. You know, not personally a big fan, but someone is gonna pay for this guy. Yeah. Oh, big time. Uh, number uh, ten, Pat. Oh, you done? You, no, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say I hope it's not the Leafs, but 
Could be. Could be. They just go from like cup contender to like, oh, we missed Sean Shattenkirk. We signed Stone. It's not exactly clear how much of a voice Dubas has in the office right now and how much of a voice Lamorello just runs the show. So. Well, if Dubas runs the show or like has a lot of say, they will not sign Mike. Right. Stone. But I don't know that <laughs> they say, you know, early on, Dubas was making a lot of phone calls and talking to a lot of teams, and that hasn't really happened since Lamorello came into the picture. So. Lamorello just seems like. Like the Godfather, well, but the, they did just resign. He's just the boss. They gave Dubas like a fat contract. Oh well, he is going to be right, but he could have gone. I'm sorry, I forget what team was looking, but he he basically someone wanted to interview him for their GM job, and the Leafs basically paid him more to stay as their because, GM because like they're like Lamorell's going to die someday. <laughs> Jeez. <And, you> know, <laughs> I mean, I guess we all are, but he's going to retire sure. one day. Sure. Uh, you know, th- I don't think he's gonna retire. That's all I'm saying. Like, oh, okay. Gonna work till okay. Over. Oh, he's just gonna just work forever. I'm a loop fan, dude. Whoa. <laughs> uh, but no, that's the thing though. Dubis is like, mm. realistically though, that's like the dream job. Like, who wouldn't want to be the GM of the, of the league? So he's like, oh, I'll take this money to stay with the right. organization, and eventually I'll get there. Right. I mean, and I'm sure assistant GM. It's almost he probably just want. He probably just sees that John Shaker guy, and he's just like, I want to just one up this guy. Yeah. I'm better. Yeah, you think. done some good things this year. Shaka. This this offseason, he's made some nice deals. I like I think the Coyotes could be a playoff team, man. They're great. Anyways, number 10, Patrick Sharp. Yeah. Uh hey, the Blackhawks are getting the band back together, bro. Uh they just brought in Brandon Sad. Terrible deal. That's besides the point. So why not sign Sharp too? Put the boys back together. Marion Host is out for the year. <laughs> they need a top six winger. What's Andrew Ladd doing? Oh, he's making a zillion dollars in Brooklyn. Uh, and the only way, like, like I think, like, it sounds like the rumors are just, like, sharp to the Bible, sharp to the Bible. It's just they, they're never, they're flowing forever, never ending. Um, the only reason I think that it might not happen is I think Alex DeBrincat, he tore up the OHL again. Right. He could be ready to make that jump. But do they want him as a top six winger? Probably not. So, mm-hmm. hey, maybe bring, bat, bring Sharp back. Sure. No, I love it. I think it's your hottest take so far. I've had a couple of takes. It's a pretty fuego take. Uh, I think Sharp is pretty similar to Vanek at this point in his career. He needs to go somewhere where he's not dependent to play up and down the ice anymore, and he can focus primarily in the offensive zone. His and legs are getting old. Chicago's a pretty good fit for that, so it makes sense in more ways than one. Here we go. Patrick Marlowe, probably also in the same boat he's as He's too low two. on this list of yours. You don't like that? No. Because he scored 27 goals last year? Yeah. I love Patrick. But he shot pretty high last year, but still. Uh, the only reason I have him low is because I kind of just think he's going to stay in San Jose. Yeah. That's, that's the only reason. I, I, I kind of was putting guys above that I thought were definitely gone. Yeah. I think Marlowe has a good chance to still stay in San Jose. Right. But anyways, I still like Joe Thornton. I've heard that Marlowe is... Everybody wants Marlowe. Yeah. If he, if he doesn't. That's what I said. Like, yeah. if... If you're a, a team that's serious about contending this year, you need to look at adding Patrick Marlowe to your team. He's great. He's like so consistent and so underrated every yeah. single year. Like, yeah, you so I mean, obviously he's not like the 70, 80 point threat that he was. No, but he's a consistent twenty five goal guy. He's, yeah, very, uh, and that is playing with Joe. Like, mm-hmm. so take that for what it's worth. But he's obviously you know still consistent. Like you said, putting the puck in the net. I'd still expect twenty five goals and fifty points from him. This year, he did shoot 14% last year, uh, but you know, you drop two goals, he's at 25 again, and he's shooting at a fine percentage, so it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, he, he'll add some serious, much needed punch to any top six in the league, exactly for yeah. fun. Yeah, Kings, maybe him and, him and Joe should just go somewhere together and just be unreal again. Is there something about Cali where once you play out there, you just don't leave? I just think like I would want to. Like I'm just thinking from like a human perspective. Doughty says it's amazing. He says like for sure you can go out and he just goes out wherever he wants, walking around in a baseball hat and a t-shirt, and nobody recognizes. Exactly. Him. You're like a D-list celebrity. In oh, you're city. nobody even knows who you, what hockey is. That guy, that guy could walk past like ten TMZ cameras, and no one's gonna recognize. Well, he doesn't have any teeth. Well, that's a giveaway. Yeah, but like they're probably like, ooh, who's this guy? <laughs> Uh, number 12, Michael Del Zotto. Uh, no, but Jared Stoll is definitely better known in that city. than. Uh... You know what I mean? In the wrong circles. Wow. <laughs> it just, it's, it's, it's Aaron Andrews. Yes, I uh, know. Are they still a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Significant other, we'll call it, because I don't know what they are. I don't, I was, never mind. Michael Del Zotto. <laughs> Michael Del Zotto. Del Zotto obviously brings a lot of offense to the table, but 
His play in uh, his own end leaves a lot to be desired. Sure. Which, you know, kind of matters as a defenseman. It's semi-important. I think that this is a guy that, again, if the Flames can't bring Stone back, maybe they bring somebody in. I think that's a good fit because they've got their top four locked in. So Delzato just goes in, plays third-line minutes against... Plays on the power play. Plays on the power play, plays against the other team's lesser forwards. Doesn't have to worry as much about playing defense. Yeah. He just plays a lot of offense. Right. Not that good as on that. Right. I, is what it is. You know, I think ultimately his name and his the hype he had coming out of junior Crazy. carried a lot more weight than his play actually ever did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he has produced it's like, significantly it's kind of in com- flashes. It's like his I feel like his play's risen as his name's dropped and it's kind of it's like, kind of like goes like up and down. It's weird, man. Like he was crazy two years ago. His rook yeah, and his rookie year he was awesome. I think it was like thirty seven points. He put up forty another year in New York. And then yeah, shit the bed. First year in Philadelphia had like he was a half a point a game, which is awesome for the back end. I think he played like 60 games, had like 30 points. Uh, and then he just went right back to shitting all over the bed. So I don't know, man. The shitting all over the all bed. All over the bed. No, but I, I do think a place like Calgary is a nice fit. Maybe not Calgary specifically, but somewhere. Somewhere that's got an established blue line and he right. can just play some. Right. And the thing is, like with a guy like him, and you're coming out of junior, there's a lot of hype for you to be like the number one defenseman. Top pair defenseman. We're really this guy. And you're thrust into a situation where right. you should. And then you compare that with a Ryan Ellis, like a guy who's had time to play the power play early on in his career yep. and slowly learn how yep. to be effective, it's despite his size and all other sides of ice. And you kind of you can see the difference, it's like how far he's now. come now. He's amazing. He's made, probably on the best contract in the oh, NHL. Oh my god, made insane strides because like we've we saw him in Winslow. Like he was just an insane offensive threat, and then now yeah. he's like so good both yeah. ways. I think like that's another place that could make sense for Delzato, like very similar to what they did with Yannick Weber last yeah. year. Like Weber's another just a power play specialist type of guy, like good in his, on the offensive end, but not so great in his own end. Sure. And we saw how successful they were. So bring, I don't know, it just makes sense to me. Anyways, last three, let's rip through these. Brian Elliott, uh, I think for me, the it's obvious where Elliott should go. Uh, he should be taking that quick flight. I actually don't know how quick it is, but he should be taking that flight from Calgary to Winnipeg uh, <laughs> on July 1st. Andre Pavlik is no more. Michael Hutchinson is trash. And, sure. well, Connor Hellebuck just struggled last year. Uh, so El- As sorry, goalies tend to randomly right. do. Elliott would be the perfect complement to Hellebuck as he mentors a younger goalie, sure. much like he did in St. Louis with Jake Allen. They split time. Hey, when he was right. in when he was in St. Louis, he right. was like the best. Right. I mean, as you know, goalies are voodoo. Voodoo. But just be the name of the podcast. Elliot, as much as any goalie, has shown the ability to just bounce back from lackluster campaigns. On no beat. Uh, you look at the year, half year he spent with the Avalanche. Posted brutal. Posted an eight ninety three. That was twenty ten eleven, and then he comes back his first year in St. Louis, playing half the season, put up a nine forty. That's outrageous, right? And. You know, all in all, like, he, he had that terrible start last year. And we talked about how the Flames probably gave up on him a little too early. I, yes, and then, but then also Johnson was just yeah, ridiculous, for no too, reason. for no yeah, reason. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. He went, like, eight in a row at one point. But like, he, he finished on? with a nine ten, not that much worse than league average. Um, nope. So, to me, he's definitely worth the flyer. Wait, he was, like, below I'd one. I'd be willing to take a shot on him probably before Steve Mason at this point. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like either way they're playing a backup role and you don't really care about you know the long term. Oh, I would. Or whatever. I think Brian you know Elliott is fantastic. Right. You know it's going to be a short term contract either way. Uh, and yeah, fantasy wise, you want to look if he ends up in like a spot where he's not necessarily the two, but maybe a one B, he could offer you a lot. Oh, of for fantasy. sure. If he's starting forty games again, he's well. Be... We have talked about how much he actually like when you look at it. He struggled any time he's had to carry. Yep. We talked about this at the start of last year. Like we were worried about right. him going to. And like we said. It's hard to say how much that really matters, but you got to think it's easier to play 40 games than it is to play 65 games, yep. right? 100%. <laughs> you don't have to carry the team on your back. You right. just like go out there every other night and you, you every, every every four nights, night. yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you just do your thing. Yeah, and, you never get started. And then yeah, it's great. Uh, another goaltender, Ryan Miller, super old as well. Honestly, I can't. So old. I can't think of one place that makes sense other than like <laughs> Vancouver. Just giving like, yo, we'll give you a million dollars, and if you win this many games, we'll give you this bonus. If you or, win this many games, we'll give you this bonus. I know you want to say it. Where else do you think? Heading home. He's going back to <laughs> Buffalo. Him and Thomas Vanek are gonna buy a penthouse suite. I don't even know if those exist in Buffalo, but they don't for thirty-five year olds. No. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, I think Miller. Yeah, he doesn't make a lot of sense. I still think he can be a solid net miner. He was pretty decent in Vancouver last year. I think maybe going back to Buffalo makes sense only because Ryan Robin Lehner just can't stay healthy. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets. That's what I'm saying. I think Vancouver is just like a just incentive-laden contract where it's just like if you do this, 
we give you this. If you do this, we give you this. Right. Players don't tend to go for that too much, though. Yeah, but if there's no market, he's going to go, oh, shit. True. And then uh, number fi- <laughs> that's all you got to say. Number 15, Andre Markov. Uh, if Montreal doesn't re-sign him, I say he goes somewhere like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Ends up being their number one defenseman in the playoffs because Chris Letang is injured. Yeah. Well, this guy can be so useful if he basically doesn't have to play at even strength. He's still amazing on the power play. It's gross. Talked about it at length this year uh, a couple times because, you know, wherever he goes, if he can get on a good power play unit and play on that first unit, he can still be fantasy. Oh, my God. Put up 40 points on the power play alone. Age 48 or whatever he's at. 57. Anyways, (laughs) that was episode number 56 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. Uh, We did it live. Doing it live. Yeah, we did it live. Yeah. First time ever. I don't know why we did it. We were super rusty. We've been gone for months. We decided to come back live. Uh, Throw it together as... As we did. Hopefully it was okay. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? We probably did it for like zero people. Nobody probably even watched it. That's, I would know. No, it's not. But probably, yeah. Anyways, enjoy episode. I hope you enjoyed episode number 56 of the Daily Face Off podcast. As always, we will send you home with the Blue Stones, who, I don't know if you saw on Facebook, just signed a record deal. So congratulations what? to the Blue Stones. Good shit, Stones. They're the best. Yeah. They're great stuff. Great guys. Uh, anyways, so Blue Stones. We're not totally sure how the like the schedule going forward throughout the summer is going to be. Right. It'll probably be pretty intermittent. With we'll probably do one after free agency. Yeah, after free agency, we'll really dive into all the signings. And then the preview episodes the preview. will probably start sometime middle of August. Yeah. Right as I start writing 60 zillion words for uh, your guys' draft guide. Cool. Anyways, enjoy the Blue Stones. Hope you guys liked episode number 56 of the Daily Face Off podcast. I'm Brock Segan for Dylan Berthium and Michael Beebs Bonnie, who is in Las Vegas. Enjoy. Peace. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision narrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud Make me happy, make me proud Black holes, solid ground Black holes, solid ground A thousand voices History at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.